Welcome to another episode of the Fool's Gold Podcast. I'm Brian, the stock market fool, and on the other line, we've got Ryan, the crypto fool. Ryan, how's it going, and what the heck is going on with Bitcoin these days? I'm glad you asked, Brian. It's exploding for some reason, right? It is. It is a fun time to be a Bitcoiner. Uh, Yes. It is it, today. Uh, it bumped up against the all-time high for market cap, and uh, it's just it flew past the seventeen thousand uh, dollar resist. I mean, it, it's just it's it's it, I, it, it's almost worrying because it's almost going too fast for me. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll like see. Just like two thousand seventeen again, right? That's what it's looking like. Yeah, I'm gonna get a blow off top. We'll see. Yeah. Any other interesting news happening with crypto? I mean, the Bitcoin's the main story here. Ethereum is slowly lying in wait. It's it's marching up slowly, um, but it isn't going at the same pace that you'd expect uh, in correlation with Bitcoin. So, I'm just wondering if it's just kind of biding its time. Uh, I think yeah. I think part of it is we're kind of waiting to see what happens with the Ethereum 2.0. It may have to be delayed. So there's some some mm. news on that. So so we'll see. We'll keep keep us posted on all the latest. For sure. So anyway, today we're going to be talking about the precious metals. And Ryan, I know we both started to become more interested in this topic this year when the Federal Reserve decided to start printing money out of thin air (laughs) and Congress decided to give millions of people thousands of dollars of stimulus. Uh, But we're not experts, hence the reason why we call ourselves fools. And so in no way are we giving investment advice just wanted to share some thoughts on this topic for education and entertainment purposes only so to get started i wanted to first ask you ryan since you you're a hardcore crypto guy i would i would say what's your overall opinion of precious metals and what does the crypto community generally think of them i'm just curious Sure. Real quick, I wanted to address the stimulus checks. You mentioned the stimulus checks. Yeah. I put all my stimulus into Bitcoin and Ethereum, so <laughs> I was very grateful for the for the Fed printing off that money so I could buy crypt, yeah. uh, crypto. But uh, I, I think that's probably why it's doing so well. I think <laughs> a lot of people did that. Yeah. Um, so the general opinion on uh, precious metals, I, I think. So, so Bitcoin is seen as digital gold. And so I think precious metals are kind of viewed at this point in the crypto community as old school. Like the old okay. way of storing value okay. is you would go with these physical, tangible objects that have value. But but now we have Bitcoin, which is a digital version of these old school I um you know uh finance um investment tools. Uh, and so so I I think in general the crypto community sees those precious metals as not as valuable because we have technology that has replaced in in their eyes replaced some of these precious metals. So it's kind of like gold 2.0 is crypto. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I I figured that they would probably go hand in hand because they kind of have, you know, as I've been doing more research on both of them, they have similar philosophies, you know, and very uh they're they're very tied together i feel like you know if usually if you believe in one you kind of understand the other and and why you know people do put money into it so yeah and 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 on that like even even down to the comparisons of i mean the terms used in bitcoin like mining you mine bitcoins just like you mine 
gold. Um, and uh, you have mining rigs. And you anyway, there's a lot of concepts that are based on concepts of gold. But, but the crypto community also sees Bitcoin as a little bit better because there's a fixed... Um, fixed uh total supply of bitcoin versus gold right. we don't know how much gold we'll find you know hundreds yeah. of years down the road but bitcoin there's a fixed supply and so i think that's also why some people think of bitcoin as a little bit superior <laughs> than traditional gold I see. well so i wanted to cover this broad topic by first telling the story of venezuela's hyperinflation problem have you heard what's going on there for the last several years, Ryan? I've heard a little bit. Okay. So to give you a little bit of context before I jump into it. So when grocery stores determine how much to sell a product for, let's say like a gallon of milk, the price isn't only calculated from the cost of making the milk, but also the value of the currency that you're using, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if the value of that currency becomes basically worthless, right? So that's how inflation usually happens. If you're not familiar with inflation, I have a I have a pretty good analogy that was told told to me, and I've I've been able to remember it. But um, imagine that you were at an auction, and there was five items up for bid, and let's say that everybody on average had about a hundred dollars to spend that they brought with them. Well, what if before the auction started, somebody came in and started giving everybody 1,000 extra dollars to spend? Hmm. What would happen to the prices of the auction items, do you think? They would, they would go up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> bingo, the prices would skyrocket. So here in the US, the Fed, Federal Reserve tries to stay around 2% inflation per year. That's what they figure is a healthy rate to keep the economy going so we don't fall into deflation, which is a totally different topic, um, but also that we don't have inflation. So I guess there's a healthy medium, supposedly. <laughs> so Venezuela is going through what's called hyperinflation. And they aren't the only ones this is happening to, but I'm just using them as an example but from what I gather, there, there are a few major errors the government made. And the first is they didn't diversify their economy. So just to give you an idea, about 95% of their export earnings came from oil. <laughs> uh, and in 2014, um, it came back to bite them because there was a collapse of oil prices globally and it pushed them into a recession. So a barrel of oil was selling for over $100, um, and then it dropped to about $30 per barrel. Ooh. And so it was a huge collapse there. Um, so they cut their economy day, in like a third, right? If almost <laughs> all of their economy is oil. Yeah, at least the export right. revenue that they're experiencing, which is probably a big bulk of their economy. And then the second problem was that they had spent tons of money on fixing social issues such as poverty which side note, which reminds me of the episode on Parks and Rec. I know you're an you're you're a fan of Parks and Rec, Ryan. You betcha. <laughs> Do you remember the episode where Venezuela was Pawnee's uh, sister city? Oh, vaguely. <laughs> so for those that haven't seen it or don't remember, basically they had some government officials, you know, from Venezuela visit Pawnee as kind of like their sister city, 
uh, and Pawnee is where the show was based out of. Uh, so th- they're going to show them around the town and the, the parks they built, and they were kind of proud of the parks they had. And the Venezuelan officials were making fun of Pawnee, saying it was trash because <sighs> apparently all the parks in Venezuela were super fancy. Um, and I'm assuming it's because Venezuela had spent a lot of money on fixing up their cities. So needless to say, the episode didn't age very well because <laughs> that was back in 2009. Uh, mm. But anyway, they, they printed a lot of money to try to get out of debt. And then there was basically a, a chain reaction with price of oil dropping, them printing money. It then caused international investors to look elsewhere to invest instead of into Venezuela. And then the people started freaking out and were trying to convert their currency to more stable currency to protect their savings, which lowered the Bolivar's worth, which is what their currencies is called. I think it's called yeah, Bolivar or mm. something like that, um, which caused the government to stop all currency exchanges to try to stabilize theirs. But the U.S. dollar was still available on the black market, so that was going on. So all of this just pushed the value of the boulevard down and down and down. <laughs> so not a not a, a good recipe for success. Um, so to give you an idea what happened, their inflation was so insane that by 2018, so this kind of all started, I think, in like 2000 and like 16 is when I think they started experiencing hyperinflation. So just a couple years later, it was cheaper to use their cash as toilet paper than to actually go to the store and buy a roll of teepee, (laughs) which isn't super surprising right now since toilet paper is so valuable currently, but this is before all, you know, the teepee demand (laughs) rose to, to glory i'm assuming um, their their currency is a paper currency yes not not, yep. not metal coins okay <laughs> yeah that wouldn't be very comfortable if it was metal <laughs> uh, and then a package of diapers which we both have kids ryan so hmm. this means a lot to us but um in 2018 it cost eight million bolivars <laughs> which, sounds like a lot <laughs> which, yeah which be the would be the equivalent to about a dollar and 22 cents and in our currency okay uh so you would you would literally need a bag of cash to pay for your groceries if you would go to the store and sometimes there wouldn't even be any tags on grocery store items because an hour later the same item would cost two times as much as it was when you walked into the store oh whoa (laughs) so it was it was out of control for sure and they're still facing this issue maybe not as bad but it's still going on so the estimated increase of inflation increased 54 million percent from 2016 and April of 2019. Oh. And they re- they recently announced on October uh 100,000 bolivar bill that is worth about 23 cents. Oh. So it's it's insane. I I I say all this not to make fun cuz it's crazy what's going on there. And I, and it's sad that countries are in that situation, a lot of instability, but I wanted to bring this up so that we can take a few lessons from it and uh, what we can do to protect ourselves from, from getting into that situation. So a, a few things. So we live in the U S 
and we're the world reserve cur currency currently, but the question is, will that always be the case? Maybe, maybe not. And even if it is the case, uh, and you live in the United States, will that even matter if we're in a global financial crisis? So I want to talk a little bit about fiat currency. There's obviously lots of different types of currency, such as the US dollar, the euro, maybe the boulevard, but fiat currency is made by governments and usually only work if the government that made that currency still has value and is trusted. Uh, basically, the, the actual money doesn't have any value. You know, for example, a, a dollar is just a piece of paper, right? So um, you can see from the story of Venezuela what happens when governments try to manipulate currency to pay for their mistakes. It becomes worthless. So inflation is definitely a risk to any country, so you want to be prepared just in case. So here's some general rules of thumb if inflation or hyperinflation happens. Generally speaking, when there's inflation, you want to be invested in assets, typically tangible assets that have value. It doesn't have to be tangible, but it needs to be something that is desired or has a need, has worth, or is trusted. So maybe certain types of stocks that would perform better if asset prices were high or increasing, um, like maybe like farm companies or something like that. Um, or maybe crypto, since it's not manipulated and some people may trust it more. But the last thing you want your money and investments to be in is in cash. At least the cash of the country that has those risks of inflation. Mm. And technically, if you can be in debt during inflation, that's even better because you can pay off your debt over time with cheaper dollars. So think about it. What if oh. you took out a... 1 million bolivar loan right before hyperinflation started you would be able to pay it off and you know the loan in like a day or two because your wages would just keep skyrocketing oh, but maybe, maybe not that fast <laughs> but you see the point right yeah, yeah yeah so which which finally leads me to the precious metals right so precious metals have been used as money and a source of inflation protection for centuries the most well-known metals are things like gold, silver, copper, maybe platinum, nickel, lithium, things like that. Uh, they're, they're good hedges against inflation because they have value. Um, some of them you can use for tangible and practical uses, which we'll talk a little bit about. But also they're rare and there's a you know, there's generally a limited supply of it, uh, and it takes a lot of work to, you know, mine them and pull them from the ground. So I'll just give you an overview of the most common precious metals. You know, this this podcast is not for us to go into a deep dive of the specifics, but I just wanted to kind of do an overview just in case you guys are new to this space, kind of like we are. But so first is gold, which is the most popular metal. The interesting thing about gold is that it doesn't rust or corrode, and it has the ability to conduct heat and electricity. So it has some practical uses for like dentistry and electronics, but mainly it's used for jewelry and being money throughout history, you know, throughout centuries. But the value is more about sentiment versus supply and demand because, you know, it's expensive and it doesn't have a lot of typical everyday supply and demand like for building things with it 
its value fluctuates based on sentiment. So it does well to protect your wealth based on systemic financial concerns or wars or political crises. And just as a side note, the U.S. dollar used to be backed by gold, but that ended with President Nixon in the 1970s. So if that's news to you, hopefully that helps you sleep at night. <laughs> Just joking, it really doesn't. Um, so the, the next most well-known precious metal is silver. Um, its value is dependent on sentiment as well, but it does have industrial purposes, which makes the price way more volatile than gold. So it's hoarded like go gold, but there's an in industrial supply and demand for silver. So you would find silver in like electro electrical appliances, medical products, and, and things like that. And then some other notable precious metals would be like platinum, copper, nickel, lithium. Uh, there's obviously others, but that's, that's the main ones, I would say. What do you do with that knowledge? I mean, if you're looking to invest in precious metals, from what I found, I know there's about three main ways on how to do that. The first would be actually purchasing the physical metal. So you would go online and find a reputable company that you can buy a gold or silver coin or bar. You know, I mean, gold, it's like, you know, it's pretty expensive. So it's not like you'd have these huge bars, right? You might have this small little tiny thing. But, uh, but just like you talked about last week with crypto, Ryan, there's some advantages and disadvantages of holding the physical metal. If your goal is to trade in and out of the metals frequently, then it probably doesn't make sense to buy the actual physical metal. Where it would make sense is if you're trying to protect against the risk of currency collapse, or you wanted to be able to physically exchange goods and services with something seen as valuable, you know, if there's some kind of calamity, um, then you'd probably want to have the actual physical gold or silver. But if you're holding the physical metals, typically you want to have like a safe, you know, maybe some insurance on it. So it can be a little bit more of a hassle. So the other way or another way you can invest is through uh, commodity ETFs on the stock market. So the ones that I'm familiar with is the symbol GLD for gold and SLV for silver. And these ETFs are supposed to mimic, mimic the price of metals minus like fees and expenses in the fund. But I believe the fund does actually hold physical gold and silver at like bank vaults. Uh, you, just, you just can't get access to them. You can't go up to the bank and say, hey, I'm an investor of GLD. You should give me my... <laughs> you know my gold for an exchange of my my share you know or anything like that but uh so investing in the etf is a way to participate in the gains or losses of the precious metals without actually buying the physical metal and then the third way to invest is through mining companies so basically you're investing in a company that is actually pulling the metals from the earth they would most likely do well if there was a high demand for the precious metals that they mine. So you can invest in gold mining companies, silver mining companies, copper miners. Uh, but you would have to do your homework on the different companies out there because there's several of them. And so you'd have to be researching things like what's their management like, how profitable is the company, all that stuff. So it can be a little bit more 
legwork, uh, but it obviously can be lucrative if, if you if you know that space well. So gold and silver, where are they now? And what's the outlook? So gold just hit its all-time high of almost $2,100 per ounce, and that was back in August of this year. But then it's been consolidate, consolidating ever since, and it's currently at around $1,900 per ounce. And the previous all-time high was way back in September of 2011, and it got up to about $1,900 per ounce, and then it just, like, collapsed. <laughs> so right now we're hovering around that all-time high mark. Um, and some people think it's going to, you know, it's just breathing right now, or, you know, just taking a breather, and then it's going to explode higher. Um, but we'll see. Um, so this is interesting, though. So silver, on the other hand, it hit, it hit its all-time high back in April of 2000. 11 uh, which was a price of around $50 per ounce and it's currently uh, let's see about $25 per ounce mm-hmm. so it's it's lagged behind gold by a lot and I, I you know I'm wondering if that's telling us something maybe silver will you know explode higher and outperform gold or maybe gold will collapse you know to get kind of closer than to the mean who knows but um, so What's the outlook on gold and silver? Obviously, nobody really knows where the price is going to be. uh, But a lot of people think because central banks around the world have been printing money to keep their economies afloat during this past year, we're going to see massive inflation in the near future. But there are some that believe we are experiencing deflation globally and asset prices are going to tank and that the dollar is going to explode higher. But I'm I'm not that smart, you know, so I, I don't know which <laughs> one's going to happen. So I personally want to be prepared for either scenario. So I think it's wise to own at least a little bit of gold and silver, but I wouldn't put like a high percentage of your, your wealth into just that. And that's, that's how I look at crypto and the stock market too. I mean, to simply put, be diversified. Um, but any any other thoughts you have on this topic, Ryan? Uh, I did notice that you left out the fourth way to buy gold and, and, and other precious metals, and that is the crypto way. And I'm not talking Bitcoin uh-huh. here. I'm talking actual gold. So I have a question. I would like to see your opinion on the crypto version of actual gold. Can I throw it at you right here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it. there's a company called Paxos, and I think there may be a couple of these. But they create they they have this coin called Pax G, and uh, it's it's pegged to the value of gold, and so okay. uh, one ounce of gold, and so the 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 price of one coin one Pax G is the value of gold one ounce of gold, and um and and it's pegged to that value, and so they they track very they they, they track very well together the crypto coin Pax G along with the price of gold. And okay. so um, so, so some advantages to this, obviously, you don't have to worry about losing your gold because it's, uh, you know, stored in a bank vault in London. Um, and because uh, at least for me, I would have a little tiny piece of gold. And I would hate to keep have to keep track of that gold Um Anyway, so so that way you don't have to keep track of it. It's stored safely in a bank vault. But mm-hmm. at any time, 
you can go and redeem it at a partnering bullion exchange, some local shop, if they partner with uh, Paxos. And you can redeem your Pax G for actual gold, physical gold, if you'd like to hang on to that. Um, Interesting. And, and then, in addition to that, uh, with Pax G, you can actually, uh, like we talked about last week, there are lending accounts, um, kind of savings accounts that earn you interest. You can put Pax G into those uh, savings accounts and earn about 5% per year on that uh, crypto gold. And so my question hmm. is, what would be, what do you, what would you see as a disadvantage to that version of crypto gold, uh, where it's basically it's backed by gold, you can still, um, you know, get redeem it for the physical item if you wish, but you can also earn interest on it. And to me, it seems to be the best of all three worlds. Yeah, it, it's like taking. I mean, it sounds super familiar, like super similar to the ETF commodity mm-hmm. ETF, right? Where I think they also have their gold in some kind of London vault, you know? Right. <laughs> I think it's spread out, but but you can't actually, you know, go and redeem, you know, your actual uh, gold. But so it's kind of taking it to the next level. Um, it's like you're earning, and just like you're earning dividends, basically with that interest right, rate. Right. So does it? Do they have? Uh, they only sell enough of those coins so that they are 100% backed by the gold. So they they don't have like, you know, 50 million of coins out there, but they only have 10 million of gold just in case everybody decides they want to start redeeming. Or how does that work? Do you know? Uh, Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know exactly how their supply works. Um, I know that they store Paxos themselves has 430 ounce bars. And so to redeem it from Paxos, you have to have 430 Pax G coins to redeem it. Interesting. Uh, so so that's tied directly to their big bars of gold. Uh, but right. but but you can redeem it at the local exchanges, um, bullion exchanges, uh, up from like between a one gram to one kilogram. And so I I'm not sure exactly how they they factor in the you know the 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 backing of that asset to gold. I'm sure it was probably similar to how the U.S., like you mentioned, U.S. used to back the U.S. dollar by gold. Right, right. Um, perhaps in a similar way. I'm not exactly sure how that, that works, though. Yeah, that's interesting. I w- that is a good question. I would say it probably depends on what your purpose of owning gold is. If it is to hold long-term because you're being you're worried about some kind of calamity such as a dollar collapse or war or something, and then you probably want to be the one that is actually holding it physically hmm. because who knows what the logistics would be of getting to an exchange during a time like that. You know, think about like 1929, right? During start of the Great Depression, everybody running to the banks trying to pull out their money, you know, and right. it just overwhelmed the system and they weren't able to, you know, give everybody back their cash because they would loan it out. Uh, so will they have the gold readily available for anybody that needs it? But if your if your main goal is just to trade with it, and then I don't really see any reason to use a crypto exchange to do it because that could be another way to do it. 
so yeah, it, it seems like it could definitely be another another option to throw in there. So I so like that's that. so that's interesting. So, so perhaps someone who wants to hold it a little bit longer term so they can earn interest on it, but also you don't anticipate some global disaster where you would right. need to go and cash it out or, or not redeem it out for the physical object. Because like you're saying, I I could see that being a a, a concern. Like you're saying, you may not be able to exactly. redeem it out for that physical when you actually need it. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like what you were talking about last week about, you know, if you want to hold your crypto on an exchange, yeah, that's fine. You just have to know that there's some risks involved that, you know, the safest way would be to actually hold it on cold storage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that's probably the same with actually holding the physical, you know, gold um, or silver or whatever it is. But, right. Sure. So anyway, that does it for another episode of the fool's gold podcast let us know what your thoughts are on precious metals good investment or not and quick plug don't forget to follow us on instagram and twitter that's at fool's gold g-o-a-l-e-d but until next time we'll see you later ryan talk to you later ryan